Servus and welcome to another episode of the Pro Hockey Pod, episode 39. Um, this week, we got the the second half of uh, a goalie duo. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I had on Jay Keeley there, Kylie, um, talking about his journey. And we mentioned a couple times that he also had a fiance that was uh, a goalie as well that was with him on this journey. And, you know, I thought, what better than to have her on this week? And, you know, definitely someone who's had a good, very good college career, also played pro in the women's leagues and now has a big influence in, you know, the league starting up now. There's a brand new one, I believe, starting up this month. And it's very exciting things happening in North America there. But, you know, I'm definitely going to learn a lot today on this on this on this episode. I'm just going to let her talk for most of it. But happy to have on my first female athlete. Hopefully many more to come. Welcome to the Pro Hockey Pod. Shay Tiley. Thanks for having me. So we always go back to where it began. And I remember talking about uh, or this with Jake about this, but you are from Shallow Lake, Ontario. Um I am from Ontario as well. Where in the hell is Shallow Lake? Because I have never heard of that before. So, <laughs> Yeah, so um, my grandpa would get mad at me, but technically I'm from Francis Lake. I The the address is Shallow Lake, but we live on Francis Lake. Um, but it's right outside of Owen Sound, um, two hours north of Toronto. The Owen Sound attack is like the OHL team, so that's sometimes uh, how people know where it is. But that's where I grew up for majority of my life. Uh, moved around a lot as well, kind of leading up to that, staying there full time uh, just because of my dad. But that's kind of where home base was for mo- like most of my life. We talked about this kind of off camera and it's funny, like first sentence it's brought up, but uh, your your grandpa then would be kind of mad about elite prospects here saying shallow lake. They need to, we need to email them and update that, that it's actually, yeah. it's actually not that one. But um, yeah, let's talk about your childhood. Obviously, uh, you know, your dad was a was a longtime professional ice hockey player, both uh, North America and Europe. So, like, what was your what was your childhood like? You must have been, you know, bouncing around a lot, depending on uh, where your dad was each season. Yeah, we live in a lot of different places. Um, I have two other siblings. We're all born in different states. Uh, I'm an Arizona baby. Uh, I've only lived there for maybe a year, but no. I can join Austin Matthews and those people saying that they're from Arizona, I guess, uh, technically. And then, yeah, we lived in Europe as well. But Owen Sound was always kind of the home base and the summer times and stuff is where we'd go. But I was fortunate enough to live in so many different places as a kid and and then kind of translated, obviously, into my adult life, too, which is pretty cool. So on the male side, I'm guessing Austin Matthews is probably the most famous athlete or at least hockey player from from Arizona or one of them. So do you, would you say you're probably the most famous uh, Arizona female athlete then? At no, least for hockey. I don't think I can be claimed as an Arizona athlete. I only lived there for a year. I'm birth certificate says I'm from, I was, you know, born there, but I don't think I can claim it. That's not official or anything. Um, And then, yeah, like, so back just kind of your childhood there, like you, you mentioned, you know, shallow lake there was kind of like home base in the summers, but, uh, you know, as we talked about, your dad had a long career, so that obviously probably played a big part into you um, falling in love with the game of hockey. Obviously, you were probably around him a lot, you know, during those days, whether it was at the rink, at home, maybe some road trips as well. Like, just talk about that upbringing, because that's obviously, you know, a lot of people don't don't have that upbringing where their dad is a professional hockey player and, and has played in many places like your dad had. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
just living so many places and was obviously amazing. And then once I got older and stuff, I couldn't obviously go into like the locker rooms and stuff. But as kids, my brother and I were only like a year and a half apart and we were in the locker rooms all the time. We'd run around, we'd have bubblegum competitions, see how many like stuff in your mouth people would bet on us. Um, always skating. Like I don't remember ever not skating. Uh, I was defenseman before I made the switch to goalie. So my dad was really not happy about that. Uh, but it was just a really cool experience being a part of the locker room and stuff like playing mini sticks. Um, we used to dominate the wives room, my brother and I just, and other kids, just mini sticks running around, just causing absolute mayhem. They were probably happy when we left, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a really cool experience just going to different places. A lot of life skills too. It teaches you having to, having to move around a lot. Cause that's not, that was the worst part of it. Having to move around when you're so young, but at the same time, it was a lot of pretty cool interactions and a lot of people that my dad played with that I run into today and, you know, with, with Jake and then just in my playing career as well, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. It must've too, like, I mean, obviously as a kid, you're not thinking about this, but you know, later down the road, obviously you end up moving away from home from school and then other places. So it probably accustomed you, I would say at a young age to being, you know, away from home or, or in a sense, having a second home every year, because wherever your dad was, that was your, your hockey season home. And then you would go back to your home base, but it probably helped you from that, like from a young age on. Yeah, absolutely. It just teaches you how to make friends better, how to work with people and depending on the country, the state, wherever you live, like you just build those skills on how to navigate because you're not going to like every single person you meet, but just being able to navigate also those relationships. And I always found that was really important kind of moving through, especially as we got older and everything. Now, the last thing I, I'll probably bring up about him and just his career, like when he eventually transitioned to Europe there, I believe he was in Germany. Um, there was one year too, I think he was in Japan or China. Like, were you, were you going with him on, on those ones as well? Or by that age, were you kind of older and on your own path? Um, we went with him to Germany. We lived in Iserlohn, uh, Germany, and we went to Linz, Austria as well. The only place we didn't go was his last year in Japan. Um, I, I don't really know the reasoning why we didn't go. I think it was just maybe a, just too far and a little bit too much of like a culture shock potentially. Um, but I kind of wish we would have went just because it would have been a really cool experience. And he taught, he like, he loved his experience in Japan. He talks so highly of like all of his teammates and like the organization and his experience there. Um, but I really loved living in Germany and Austria. That was, I think, I don't know how they do it in the States because it's such a bigger place, obviously, but the way they have the hockey um, and like the minor hockey system in Germany. And I noticed it in Sweden as well. Um, I think they have it down to a science and like growing their homegrown talent and not having to, to ship off or anything like that. I thought that was really cool because we played for like the young roosters in Iserlohn. Quite the, quite the name in Iserlohn. I, I always like, yeah. I was asking somebody cause we played there like a month ago and I was like, you know, I can understand like like for example, Mannheim Adler, like it's an eagle in German. So like you understand that, but I'm like, who the heck was here one day and was like, you know what? 
roosters like i'm in and I, like you know it's just not like a common hockey name <laughs> no not at all not at all and i always thought um you know living there i was probably like eight or nine um and i thought it was the coolest thing ever like learn german could speak german fluently at the time uh because we went to a, like an all german school and it was an incredible experience but uh last you know i was in visiting Jake in Germany last year. And I'd mentioned to someone that I had lived in Iserloan for a year and apparently it's not that nice of a place. I thought it was like the nicest place in the entire world. It was my first time in Europe as a kid. And I thought it was, it couldn't get better than that. Um, But apparently according to some people, it's not the nicest place. I still love it though. So I'd like that on record. It's um, I mean, to be fair, I've only been to the hotel there in the ring. So like, it's from what I've heard, it's a small town, like not maybe not a lot of things to do there. But I, what I will say is I really liked the crowd is so loud there because it's such a uh, old school kind of arena, like fans are on top of you and they're so loud. So like for a road team to go play there, you know, it doesn't matter if they're if they're good or not. Like it's a hard place to play. And I like I, I like that because that's what I think of European hockey is kind of you know, that loudness, you know, kind of it's your community team. You, you stick by them no matter what. And I, I will say as well, and I, th- I think they're in last place this year, they're not having the best year, but their fans have stuck by them and are very loyal. So I'm sure like, you know, we're talking whatever this was 20 years ago or 15 years ago when you were there, you know, I'm sure it was probably even louder because it feels like hockey during the nineties or the two thousands was just the loudest ever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was a really, really cool experience. I loved it. And then Austria was amazing too. The year after in Linz, that was, I mean, just very similar um, experience. It was, it was amazing. I had a buddy play there and he said it like he played there for four or five years and he said it was just beautiful there. Um, but yeah, like back to kind of what we talked about there with your dad being in, uh, in uh, Nippon, I believe that the last year, like it would have been cool, but I kind of understand too, like the, the culture shock might've been. <laughs> A yeah. Intense. Yeah. And just with school, we were getting older and stuff like that too. Um, so just kind of that aspect of it. I wasn't, I don't know if we were able to go to like a international school. I don't think it was like, it was not like a small town, but it wasn't the largest place. I don't think. Um, but it came full circle because later on in my career, I actually played with a, a girl from there and we had some we had something in common. So it was pretty cool. I had some family friends that lived there for, for years. And the one thing I would say is you probably dodge a bullet. Cause I believe they have six day a week school there. So, uh, that would have been crazy. Cause they just, yeah. Sundays is the only day off. Oh yeah. No, I wouldn't have been able to do that. No, um, we, that was the best part about Austria and stuff. We would school would get out at like one, I swear it was like one o'clock and then on the weekends we'd go to the Czech Republic to play because we were so close. So every, every Sunday we'd bust the Czech Republic to play our hockey games and stuff. It was pretty crazy lifestyle. Yeah. And now we're going to transition back to you because this is obviously your episode, even though we just talked about your dad for about 20 minutes there, but um, I'm curious. So, you know, it's clear like why you got into hockey, you were around it every day, but what made you want to, become a goalie because obviously uh, your dad wasn't very happy I don't know if that's because he spent his time around too many weird goalies or the fact that he knew he'd be spending a lot of money on equipment maybe both but what kind of drew you to the position 
Um, like I said, I was defenseman to start. And then it was when we were, my dad was playing in Milwaukee, um, Wisconsin and our neighbor, um, and where we were living was Minot Realm. And she is, if you don't know who that is, she is a Canadian Olympic goalie. Um, and her son was around my brother and I's age. So we'd always like play row hockey and stuff. And we'd wear her like Olympic helmet, just like crazy stuff. And, um, I was already like super into hockey and everything like that. And then just being around her and playing goalie road hockey and everything. And my dad had on his team, had some really good goalies that were, would always come over and hang out with us too. So it was just around him a lot. And I made the switch and my dad was not happy. He bought me like the worst pair of goalie pads ever to try and get me not to be a goalie. And then I thought I broke my knee from a shot of his once. So then he, he upgraded, he upgraded them. They'd have like, by the end of practice, they'd have like an inch of on like the knee pads, just inch of ice and snow and couldn't slide. But I was out there having a blast. Right when you, I'm assuming, I mean, you might've been really young, probably it's probably before you met her, but she would have, I forget what year, what year was she the, she was at Tampa's camp, right? Like that was, was that late nineties or? Yeah, I think that was like late, late nineties. Yeah, I think it was like 98, 99. It was one, I think it was one of the first years because they still had that old rink. Like it was like the one that wasn't really a rink, but they just threw them there. Yeah. So that must have been cool to meet her like at a young age. And then like you, you know, start to want to be a goalie and like, you know, were you ever like kind of asking her questions about the position? Like she teaching you anything or was it just more mutual? Can I wear your gold medal helmet, please? Yeah, it was not so much about like asking for tips or anything at that point. Cause I don't think it like had fully sunk in like who, how important she was just that she was a goalie. Um, and then like years down the line kind of realized and you're like, Oh, probably should have taken advantage of that a little bit more um but it was more so just playing road hockey and hanging out with my brother and her son and being a goalie during road hockey wearing that helmet and I think her son was a goalie at the time too and I just thought the equipment looked so cool that's normally what gets everybody is I want my mask painted or the (laughs) um so like, were you doing at goalie schools or anything like at a, at a young age or were, or for, I was going to, I was going to like make a joke, but it actually could be serious. Or were you telling like your dad, like, Hey, can so-and-so from your team also give me a, like a lesson because like they would have goalie coaches. Like, how was it, you know, for you, because obviously to become a goalie and someone like yourself that obviously went on to have a very good career, like you do need some teaching at a young age. Cause there's lots of things to do. And I'm always curious to kind of hear like, where you went or what you did or what your young philosophy was, I should say. Yeah. So I actually didn't have a ton of goalie training to kind of start out. I would say the biggest, most influential um, goalie training I had at the beginning was actually in Ezerlone. Um I tried to look, I've been trying to look up this guy for years and all I know is his name is Ben. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Ben. But he would come out and work with the goalies, and I think he was part of GDI, maybe. But I, I honestly don't know because I was so young. But he would be out. Is his there. name Benedict? No, I don't. Th- I don't know. Because he's a big GDI guy. He used to be like uh, he was like the national team goalie coach, like 
six years ago. Sorry to cut you off, but I'm just trying to think of a guy that probably was goalie coaching. Yeah, I honestly, I don't, I don't know anything outside of his name was Ben because I was so young. Um, but he was so good because he he really like taught us how to be good skaters because you know now it's like known that goalies have to be good skaters, but at that time, like you're just kind of taught to stop the puck. And I think that was kind of the first, that was definitely the first goalie training I ever had. And it really kind of helped set the foundation and it helped that I was a good skater before from like playing defense and stuff. Um, But then I didn't have a ton of goalie training until probably like I was in middle of high school. I kind of had a, a little bit of a, I've still played obviously, but I just didn't have a lot of goalie training. There wasn't anything in Owen sound for us. Uh, my dad was working for the Owen sound attack for a little bit. So I was, I'd play hooky from school some mornings so I could go out and skate with their goalie coach um, and their goalies. So that was really beneficial, but it was never like, I never had like a singular person that I'd go see um, until college, I would say. So it was kind of kind of a weird weird path with that, but just live where I lived, it was two hours to Barrie or Toronto or wherever. Yeah, Owen Sound's not or Shallow Lake, and we'll say Owen Sound as well. It's not like they're very close to, you know, no. big cities. Um, and to be to just so you know, it is the guy that I think it is. He you probably called him Ben at a young age. His name is Benedict uh, Vikert. He was. At least to elite prospects, he was Israel alone 2004 to 2009, no, 2011. So both the youth and the, the he went to the DL but after that. Yeah, so yeah. then, then it was him. That's funny. Like it's just crazy. I met him one one time at a, a goalie. Uh, they do the goalie licenses here in Germany. You have to get one to coach. So I yeah, he was my teacher. But it's funny, full circle again. Like yeah, that's crazy. I'll that's, uh, that's I'll send crazy. you the profile after so you can yeah you can check it out. Because my dad and I always talk about it. We're like, man, it would be nice to like find out what happened to him after. Because like we were only there for the one year. But yeah, he was he was definitely really beneficial in the start of my goalie career. I believe it. Currently uh, still working for Dusseldorf there in the DL. But uh, he was a national team goalie coach for a while. And I remember remember working with him. Good guy. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, but kind of back to you. So like another thing I was curious about, like, mixed with the moving and stuff like and you know you also you know being being a young goalie at this time in germany i'm pretty sure you would have played with the the boys team for the most part because i'm not sure there was a women's team but even like you know when you were playing in north america like what was kind of like your minor hockey path were you playing more boy boys hockey or with boys teams i should say or was there also girl leagues um i played boys up until my last year of boys was minor bantam um, I played in Owen Sound for like the junior attack. Um, there was, I don't think there was a girls team in Owen Sound. They have one now uh, and they're actually a really good program. Uh, but at the time they didn't, we had a program that's uh, still around. It's called Soggy and Maitland. And we practiced middle of nowhere, like cornfield, but it was an area that was kind of local to everyone. So everyone within like an hour ish drive would uh go try out for them and that's who I ended up playing for my major bantam um that's that was the first year of girls I ever played and then I played girls after that but I played for Owen Sound and then I would always try out for the 
triple a team um in the like great bruce highlanders the local area but i got cut every year great bruce oh god (laughs) brings back memories um yeah and go to chesley or some of those (laughs) um man i can still see that rank like uh it's crazy didn't do well in that rink. It was always like the home team was always going to win in, in those games. Like we had, we had a better team in Burlington, but it was always like the travel was so far. <laughs> oh yeah. And there's nothing around like closest Tim Hortons is like 25 minutes away. Just. That's funny. Um, And then eventually you end up playing, Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong for the Kitchener Waterloo uh, junior Rangers there. Um, Pretty, pretty good stats. I'd say that year and this year as well. Um, you end up playing for the Canada U18 team. So um, for someone who's not familiar with, with uh, the, the Canada program, and we'll get into it, you know, a little later down the road, like, had you been going, you know, to camps before that? Like, is it kind of like, I would make it say it's similar to the maybe the World Juniors where, you know, they invite a certain amount of people out, they do a camp, and then eventually they end up picking the team? Like, how does that process work on the women's side? Yeah, it's definitely similar to that. Um, It's more of like an all year round process. Usually it starts in like May, they invite 50 or so of the under 18 athletes um, in May. And it's like kind of fitness testing. I don't even know if we touch the ice in May. I don't think so. And then if you get selected through May, there's a camp in August. And it's usually like a 10 day camp, there's fitness testing. And then there's like all the on ice stuff like goalie skates, practices scrimmages everything and at the end of that 10 days they usually pick a team for the august series with versus us um so i was fortunate enough to make it that year and camp was in calgary and then we went to lake placid to play the us so we played at um you know like where the olympics was years ago uh so that was really cool and then after that three game series you're kind of, you just don't really hear from them for a while. And then our worlds for my year was in March because the Olympics was that year. So our worlds kind of got pushed back to March. Usually it's like in January uh, for the U18s, but um, in between there, you're just playing for like your normal team. And then uh, team Ontario is also playing at that point. So I think that's probably how I got discovered a little bit was with team Ontario, just going to those camps. It's a pretty big money grab. The Team Ontario one, uh, you had to pay like 500 bucks to go down for a weekend or something at the time. And then from there, you you might get shuffled along, but they had like three different weekends. It was looking back pretty crazy, but it was it was a good experience for sure. I mean, you end up making the team, which I think is, first of all, tremendous feat. So the 500 bucks was worth it. And, uh, you know, to say your tournament went well is probably an understatement, uh, a 0.3 goals against average and a 98 save percentage. I, you know, can't remember the last time I've seen numbers like that. Um, I believe you won a gold medal as well. Um, where was your, where was the tournament that year? Budapest actually. Wow. Okay. So. And and how long was it? So is it like kind of like a two week thing? Like you go over maybe a couple days early practice and then the tournament yeah. starts. Yeah. Yeah. So how was it seeing Budapest? Because obviously before you had some experience with uh, with Germany and um, uh, Austria there and Linz, but 
you know, Budapest is, I've heard also a very cool country and city itself. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a really cool experience, um, especially like getting it with a team too, like getting a different experience. You're not with your family, like you're traveling with the team, you're doing everything with the team. Um, Hockey Canada does a really good job of taking care of literally everything. Um, You're so spoiled when you're when you're with them and you're at their events and stuff, you get your schedule, you go where you need to go and you're, you're treated really, really well, which is, you know, expected from them. So it's pretty cool. But Budapest as a city was really nice. I wish we got maybe an extra day to sightsee, but um, we did get some like free time with our families and stuff that were able to make it over. And we were able to see enough that it was, it was a really cool city and definitely a place I'd like to go back to. Well, now that you're over in Europe, I mean, yeah. one, one of these breaks or one of the, one of these weekends, you got to get over there. But Tom, yeah, for sure. So you have success at this tournament, and um, you know, obviously, you were still playing in in your league, uh, your women's league there back in and in Canada. When did you start to get kind of the the interest from schools? Like, was it always your plan to try to get a, a scholarship somewhere, whether it was you know Canada or, or USA? Yeah. Yeah. It was always the plan to go for a scholarship, especially it kind of started. Um, well, the first time I ever remember like hearing about women's college hockey and stuff was when we were in Milwaukee and obviously the Badgers and stuff are huge there in Madison. And I always thought that was just such a cool thing. And say I was like super young, so it was nowhere near college or anything like that, but that's kind of when the bug got started. And then um, I started getting recruited my junior year of high school. Um, it was, I I emailed universities, like I played in a very small place. Uh, we went to tournaments and stuff, and that's probably where I got some recognition. But I, I emailed tons and tons of schools just like that I was interested athletically and academically and my stats and my grades and everything and kind of like how Josh Allen, when they talked about Josh Allen, like emailing all those schools and stuff, like for a shot, um, that was kind of on a lesser scale, uh, what I did. And then it all, it helped to, I committed to Clarkson in my end of very end of my junior year. And then that was right around the same time that I got selected for the hockey Canada thing. So that kind of came out of, uh, left field. I did not see that coming at all. Um, so then after I got selected for that I got more interest from some other schools uh but I was already committed to Clarkson and um I only ever had two two scholarship offers it was Clarkson and St. Lawrence so um I wasn't super heavily recruited but I wouldn't change my choice for the world well at least for your recruiting visits you wouldn't have to go too far I mean yeah (laughs) yeah had a tournament in Ottawa did one one day other one another day and I I knew pretty quickly um two things i wanted to bring up one i forgot to kind of ask when we were talking about team canada there but um did you feel like when you were when you're in that tournament because obviously you know playing for your country is a is a massive uh uh honor and but also like kind of a responsibility like you know you're you know all the focus is on on you girls there you women i should say did you ever feel like pressure representing them like even at that age so you know you're u18 so you're you know you're around 17 years old maybe younger 16 like did you ever feel kind of pressure because as a country like canada itself like i'd say canada and us like they're expected every year like it's going to be us in the finals and then it's you know 
a blood match until to to see who wins. But you know, did you ever feel like that international pressure at all? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like even even U eighteens, like just I remember at the August series, just putting on the jersey, like the real game jersey for the first time. You're like, wow, it's it's just a really like a chilling experience just knowing that you are one of the best under 18 players um in Canada and basically in the world like it's kind of kind of just takes you by surprise especially when you didn't really expect it coming um like I knew I was good but I I didn't think I was like that level at the time so just getting that like recognition and stuff and that experience was really cool and then my our goalie coach um with team canada at the time joe joe johnson he was um he was huge for my development like he worked with me a ton as well as our like my goalie partner and stuff but he we do video and he was just really instrumental in like making me know that like i should be there and i deserve to be there because coming from like a smaller place and a very less known person. Like I sometimes, you know, you have the self doubt that you probably like, why am I here? But he was instrumental in like making me feel comfortable and, you know, helping me obviously be better and have the stats that I did. It's always crazy to me to hear, like, you know, you're being very honest right now. And I'm sure all the listeners out there too, like, I'm sure there's people that have felt that too. in in whatever situation it is that because I've come from this smaller background or whatever it is that you know you have kind of maybe a hesitation or kind of that self-doubt as you said that oh you know maybe this is too high for me or maybe i don't fit in with this group but at the end of the day you have to remember there's a reason that they chose you like there's a reason that you know you're one of whatever it is two three goalies that get to put on that sweater it's because you know at this point in time you are one of three two best women's goalies u18 in the world or whatever it is you know down later in life as well but another thing i wanted to ask you was kind of you know when you talked about when you were sending these emails to these to these colleges um is that something like you know if there was any young listeners out there whether you know boys girls whatever who have aspirations of going you know college like did you feel that you know, putting out that effort, like you got some responses and at least people kind of got to see your name and kind of see like your resume, whether it was, you know, your stats, your grades, or even if, you know, I don't know if you threw some video in there as well, but did you think that, you know, you would recommend to the younger generation, like, Hey, do that, like, you know, go, go for it instead of like waiting for people to kind of approach you. Yeah, absolutely. Like it doesn't, it never hurts. It only, you know, increases your chances, especially if you aren't able to get as much exposure as some other of your like peers or whatever um got a lot of rejections being like our recruiting class is already like full or whatever but at least you get that email back and you can kind of cross that off the list and know that okay the recruiting class is full and then you move along and you keep trying like there's no there's no harm in trying and you might as well shoot your shot it's an email it's you know it's it's not like you have to call them right away or anything like that. Like it's an email. It's super easy. You literally just copy and paste everything. Just make sure you change their names. And that's, that's what I did. And lucky enough, you know, got a scholarship from it. Funniest thing about what you just said is that the most important thing, make sure you change the name. Cause I've done that a couple of times where I've just copy and pasted the email, sent it, and then realized I 
called the person, you know, Rick and his name's Dave or something. And then you're just oh, like... yeah, we've all done it. It's so easy <laughs> to do, but no, I, I highly recommend it. I tell, I tell anyone that's going or wanting to go through that process to, to start because there's no harm in trying. You're it just going to get told No, that's it. And it shows initiative too. Like it shows like, you know, you're willing to make the extra effort to, you know, prove that you, you, you want to go there or you're good enough to go there, whatever it is. So I definitely agree with that. Um, how was the adjustment to college for you? So you end up choosing Clarkson as, as you mentioned between them and rival St. Lawrence. Um, you know, you, I think in terms of living away from home, I think you'd be pretty used to it because you had done it your whole childhood, but, uh, you know, going to college at such a young age, you know, juggling school workouts, uh, practice games you know meeting a bunch of new uh women on your team meeting people in college like how was that adjustment for you honestly um i was really lucky because i didn't find that adjustment very difficult with the juggling everything because um my last year of high school my senior year of you as you mentioned i played in kitchener and that's a two-hour drive there and then a two-hour drive back um and we my grandpa was driving me because um, my like mom and dad were working and stuff. And so my grandpa and I would make that drive four to five times a week. And we'd go after school. He'd pick me up 3.30 when the bell rang. I'd have my lunch packed for my grandma would make me dinner in a lunchbox. And I'd do my homework in the car. I'd take a nap in the car. I'd go practice. We'd stop at Tim Hortons on the way home. Um, and it was just rinse and repeat. So I had to be really good at time management. Um, and my team in Kitchener, we were a lot of fun. We weren't the best hockey team. So I had, I got tons of shots all the time. And I think that just really set me up for success in college as well, just because, you know, just repetition all the time. And then meeting new people too, like joining that new team my last year really set me up for joining my teammates in, in college. So I, I didn't feel like that transition was actually that difficult for me just because I'd already been doing it for really years because of how far I had to travel for hockey. Shows your dedication to the sport because I know a lot of, at least on the men's side, I know a lot of guys that are like, oh, I got to go 40 minutes to practice. Now I'm good. Like I'll, I'll just play here and, you know, have fun versus you. You had to drive to, to, you know, want to, be in one of the best places you could be. And and you also mentioned a, a great point for, I think, goalies in general is, you know, playing on a team where you get a lot of shots. I mean, that's so influential to your development at a young age versus playing on a team that's going to win every game and you get, you know, 15 shots. You know, you were having those practices plus you're having the games, which, you know, you could say some nights were probably two games in terms of how many shots you were racking up versus somebody playing on a top team. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was. And, I always liked getting more shots too. Definitely more fun gets you in the game, but um, that year definitely made me a better goalie and was was the right decision because it was I was kind of going back and forth and if I should play for them or if I should stay with the team I had been on and you know with you know with the help of uh, one of the coaches at Clarkson too, just trying to decide what I should do and ended up choosing Kitchener and it was definitely the right choice. When you went to Clarkson, like was when you were like recruited, was the plan? you know, kind of what we talked about the U18 there, like you feeling, you know, you know, do I belong here kind of thing? Like you stepped in right away in Clarkson and were, was a starter. And, you know, every year you're playing, I think your lowest year was 37 games. You had a couple uh, or one with 40 and a couple others with high threes as well. Like was the plan 
kind of always, you know, it's your job to lose? Or did you have to go in there and kind of battle right away against maybe someone that had been there before? Um, I mean, in my mind, I always wanted to be the starter. I always wanted to play, obviously, all the games. Um, going in my freshman year was definitely intimidating just because uh, their starting goalie from the year before had graduated, Erica Howe. Um, she had graduated just after winning the national championship. Um, so like I knew, I knew it was a really good potential for me to play, but I knew that I was going to have to like go in and compete. There was two senior goalies, um, and a sophomore goalie. So there was four of us that year. So the first couple weeks and stuff of practice before we started playing games was definitely a little nerve wracking just because you're the freshman. I was 17 at the time. Didn't want to step on toes. My goalie partners were incredible to me. Um, even when I did take over and started playing majority of the games, um, I could not have asked for better goalie partners, especially as the two senior goalies. You never know. Sometimes they could take out their frustrations on you, but never once did they do that. And I owe a lot to them um, for doing that and being so supportive. But yeah, I was, I knew it was my goal to do that, but it definitely, I didn't think it would happen as quickly as it did. One other question I had about kind of, you know, women's hockey at Clarkson would be, you know, I've, I've seen a game, uh, uh, at Minnesota, you know, for the women's team, um, Wisconsin, you brought up as well, you know, teams that obviously, you know, there's just as much support for the women's team as there is the men's like they, they support their school, the both programs, but it doesn't matter, um, the sex, but how, how was the sport of Clarkson? Like, you know, in terms of like fans and stuff, because, you know, you guys obviously had a very good team, you know, your four years there, you know, you won many awards, couple national championships. So how was, how was that as well for you? Yeah, our fans were really good. We had a really good student section. Um, it would, we didn't have, a, it's not a very big school. It's only about 3000 students. So uh, whenever we were playing games on breaks, it was pretty dead, but that's to be expected. Uh, but we definitely had a lot of support from the community and, and uh, our, like our student fan base as well, which was really cool. And whenever we hosted like big games, especially against like really big schools. We had Wisconsin come a couple times and those always filled up. And then um, our banner raising game. So my freshman year, um, our second game of the year was to raise the banner for the 2014 national champions. That was like a sold out game. And then we've had, we had quite a few of those after that as well. So the fans were definitely, definitely really good. And it actually holds chill arena holds, a lot of fans too. So sometimes we'd actually have a decent showing. It just sometimes didn't appear that way, but it was usually pretty, pretty full. I would say. I've sat on the bench in that arena. Um, very loud fans. And I told Jake this too, the loudest goal horn I've ever, yeah. like it yeah. scares the shit out of you when you go on the ice. Like it's yeah. just big. I think it's a train horn, isn't there? Yeah. A train oh, whistle yeah. or something. Yeah. That's the best part. You watch like teams warming up around the rink. Um, and it will go off randomly. Like one of the people in the pep band will pull it and you just hear like the scream of someone or like, just, they just start sprinting cause they don't know what's happening. It's, it's pretty funny. We always got a good chuckle out of it. If you don't know what's coming, it's very terrifying. It, yeah, I must tell it's, you. it's loud. <laughs> it's so loud. Um, so speaking of Jake, um, I believe it was your junior year. Quince, uh, coincidentally, you end up winning two natties uh, after you meet him. I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but uh, he might say it is. But uh, 
I asked him kind of about your relationship. Obviously, you were a junior. He was a freshman when you guys first met. Um, you know, I'm curious, you know, goalie to goalie, kind of what uh, what first drew you to him, you know, because he was obviously a younger a younger man just starting his college uh, journey there and you were in your third year. Well, we were he's older than me, so I'd like that noted. Um, he is a couple months older than me. I have a late birthday. Um, so we were the same age at the time, but no, it was obviously like, you know, who's like coming into school. And then because our locker rooms are like basically side by side, we see all the guys every single day. We're super close with everyone, basically on the men and women's team. We're hanging out all the time. Like we partied all the time together. Like it was when we were away from the rink, um, we were really close as like the two teams and a lot of quite a few players, um, you know, were dating guys on the guys on the team and stuff, but, um, he's just, he's a great guy. Pretty good goalie. Can't complain. How does it feel being the better goalie in the relationship? That is the only question I've wanted to ask on this podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, I would definitely say my I had a very successful college career. Uh, I I will I'll I'll own that one. Um, but then he he made money playing after college, so I got to give him that one. I still played, but I didn't really make much money at all. So I'll take college. He can he can have after college. Well, he can spend his money on you now, so it actually works yeah. out for you. Yeah, exactly. I I won the deal. Um, okay, I have to talk about this story because I got his side of it and I need to hear yours because they're normally different. So he told me to talk to you about the one time when you got him in trouble because he had been out the night before and had some tequila shots and you were like giving it to him in the morning or something at a workout saying he smelled like tequila and your trainer, I guess, was very, very strict about uh, going out uh, during the week or something. Yeah, so he shouldn't have been out in the first place. That was. Party foul number one. Yeah, rookie mistake. And then he, he's got to learn how to take a joke. You know, you can't you can't take everything so literally. That was that's where he went wrong. He took my joke as literal, um, and then he told he ratted himself out. He literally told him I I had tequila last night. So he he did that all on his own. I I don't I don't think that was my fault at all. He doesn't know how to take a joke. And, beca- and because of this joke or his fault in take not taking the joke, he did an hour extra of bag sprints on the bike or something. So, so made him it made him better. Very dramatic. Was not that long, but he never had that. He never got to experience the really extreme workouts that we did before he got there. So he got to experience like a tiny little bit of what we experienced. Did you get a new trainer or something, or did they get toned down? No, he just. Uh, my freshman year at the end, we got new heart rate systems. So we were testing some stuff out. So we were the guinea pigs. I I will say whenever somebody says I got something new for you, it normally doesn't go well because they don't know the threshold. (laughs) Yeah, no, but our trainer at Clarkson's awesome. He's still one of our, we're still really close to him too as well. So he's supposed to be in your wedding. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'm sure yeah. that story will get brought up at the Oh, um, yeah, he probably doesn't even remember it, but I think Jake Jake refreshed his memory on it. It was pretty funny though at the time. I couldn't believe he actually told told on himself. 
but he's an honest guy. Rookie uh, mistakes, you know, freshman. When will they learn? <laughs> um, another thing I want to ask you, it's kind of cool to talk about because it's, as I mentioned, it's not so uh, common when you have two people in a relationship that are both goalies. So again, I asked him this and, you know, maybe he changed the story a little, but I, I doubt for this one. But, you know, how was it for you both kind of, you know, say you both had, well, you would have both have games on weekends, this, uh, you know, you get back from, you get back from a road trip and you've had a home series, whatever it is. And, you know, there's times when you play well and, you know, everything's good. And then there's times when you play bad. So how was it for you two? And that, like, would you kind of talk to each other about stuff that happened and kind of let the other person vent? Or was it kind of more, I'll let, I'll let her be like, she needs to cool off or she'll let me be whatever thing. And we'll talk about it when I'm ready, because it is kind of a cool dynamic. Cause I know I said this to Jake as well. Um, when I, where I was last year in the, in the second league in Germany, when he was in castle, I was in cell working and our starting goalie also was married to a very famous college goalie and she would critique his game. And I would just laugh so hard because she would, he'd come home and, you know, whatever from the game. And she'd be like, what were you thinking on that second goal? Like, you know, just kind of like that. So I wondered if it's a, if it's a similar thing with you guys. Um, uh, sometimes I, I try and. I try and take the the positive approach. So, I, and like, if he wants to talk about and like vent about it, it's more so, honestly, I think it's worse for me having to, like when watching the games, I know almost too much. So it makes like watching the games, like even that more intense because like, I feel like I want to like make that save or, you know, you see, like, I, my mom always talked about how, like, she always felt like she was moving around, but she never played hockey. Like, she didn't, she obviously knows from, like, with my dad and me and my brother and sister and everything, but she didn't really know the ins and outs in goalie. But for me, just knowing everything with that, it's like, I don't love that sometimes. Um, but there, once in a while, I, I tell him he did something. But for the most part, it's more so just, like, venting that sounding board just like just being being there if he needs it and not not overstepping because like I don't think it depends on the game too right if you get shelled you don't really want to talk about it but if you have a good game talk about it just one of those just kind of read the room but we have fun with it that's fair um you know but I guess you can always hold it over him you know listen here Jake uh you know, two-time Natty championship. So uh, I would have done this on this situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And speaking of that, um, you know, as I mentioned, your your last two years there, you end up back-to-back national championships. So I'm just going to let you talk about that because, you know, that's such a tremendous feat. Um, probably the perfect way to go out too, kind of your senior year to win, but also to win your junior year. So just talk about kind of those two seasons, those teams and, you know, I guess the feeling, cause like, you know, sometimes teams know or have a feeling like, you know, we got a shot to win this year and other times it's kind of like a Cinderella story. So you can kind of just give the the lowdown on both those seasons. Yeah. I mean, I think senior year, just after junior year, kind of, we knew we were going to be good. We knew we had some freshmen coming in. Um, and then those freshmen were proving it like immediately. So we knew senior year, it was going to, we were going to be able to go on a deep run again. Um, junior year, we knew we had a really good team. 
Um, but we knew like Wisconsin was stacked, Minnesota was stacked, um, BC, like all the, the typical schools were really, really deep. Um, and then we also had played Wisconsin twice at home my junior year as well. And they were really close games, but we like we lost both of them. Um so I knew we had a chance, but it was gonna be it was gonna be tough. And then went to St. Louis and had a really good game against Minnesota in the semifinals. Um that junior year. The girls played really well. I didn't think it was my best game. I think we scored like four or five goals to win that one. Um, but it, I didn't think that I thought, honestly, I thought playing in the championship game nerve wise was easier than the semifinal game, um, for whatever reason, but, and then going into the, the finals against Wisconsin, like we knew it was going to be, knew it was going to be a tough test, obviously with the players they have, they have like 10 Olympians on the team, I think at the time, um, or the Olympians now, and then their goalie just like Anne Renee Davian had just won the Patty Kaz, the best player in women's hockey in college the day before. So we knew it was going to be a tough, tough matchup. Um, but we we capitalized when we needed to. Um, I was able to have a pretty good game and the girls played awesome and we got it done. And it was it was pretty crazy because we were definitely not expected to win that game. The whole like rank was basically like Wisconsin fans and like a little bit of green, but like, it was all like a sea of red. Um, and just like winning that game was insane. Just the celebration, like some of the pictures that we have of like the celebration is just pretty incredible. And a couple of the goals that we scored too, like the celebration, like at the bench, it's just should be hung up somewhere in my opinion. And then senior year, we made it really difficult for ourselves senior year. Every single game um that we played in the NCAA tournament, the top eight game, semifinal and the finals all went to overtime. Uh and they probably shouldn't have. Well definitely the top eight game shouldn't have, but yeah, we won two one, one nothing, and then two one in overtime, all three games. And it was actually after the after the quarterfinal game, I I thought we were losing going into the third period, and I thought that I thought that was it. I thought we were done, and then we got a goal. It was a squeaker. I'm not sure how it still. I don't even know how it had enough juice to cross the line, but it did. And then that's when uh, Jaguar, as a freshman, just she she was incredible all year, but then she just decided to take over, and she scored the game winner assisted on the second game winner and then she got that like the famous uh one when we won it the for the back to back it was one of the coolest one of the coolest goals i've ever seen it was crazy but yeah it was you can you can't like write up a better way to go out than winning a national championship senior year in minnesota where majority of my family um, on my mom's side's from. So there's a picture of Jaguar scoring the game winning goal and she's up against the glass. Um, and there's like tons of fans behind her. And it's all my family actually, like they were behind the glass when she scored that goal, um, in overtime. And it's 
you can see like my sister and cousin, like their knees are touching their chin. They like jump so high and it's, uh, has some, some good pictures of that one too, but the girls on the team definitely made everything that much better though. We had, we just had so much fun all the time. Like some of my best friends, my classmates still to this day are my best friends. And, um, it made winning that much more special because you, you liked and appreciated and respected every single person on your team. Just watching you kind of explain those, uh, <clears throat> those two years, it's like, I can see it in your face. Like you can see the moments, you know what I mean? Like you're explaining it. And then you're also like kind of glancing being like, Oh my God, I remember this, like, this should be a picture, like kind of thing. So it's always cool yeah. to, to kind of to go down that memory lane and it brings back like feelings and like, as if you were there, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, it all kind of stemmed from sophomore year losing in the semifinals with like that of all the years, um, to win a national championship. I thought my sophomore year with the group of girls that we had, I thought like the group of seniors we had that year, I thought that was going to be it. And then we lost a heartbreaker in overtime, um, to Boston college and I'll never forget it. And I think that's a big reason why we won the next two years because I couldn't do that again. I've never been so disappointed in in myself for those girls. And I was like, can't do that again. I'm curious too, like, how was it for you? Because obviously the goalie position is very mental. Um, sometimes you're your own worst enemy, but you mentioned like that, <clears throat> that senior year, you know, the last three games all go to overtime. They probably shouldn't have, you know, in your opinion, or at least one of them shouldn't have. Like, how are you staying mentally focused or like mentally cool? I would say, because at, at the end of the day, like the players, you know, there's how many ever 15, 18 players, like they're changing so they can have shifts where they're, they're not on the ice, but you got to be focused all the time, you know? And as you said, the one game you thought you were going to lose, you end up scoring a, scoring a squeaker where it barely goes in. And, you know, at some point in your head, you got to be like, I can't, I can't let, let anything and nothing through me, let nothing by me. I got to get everything here. Like how to, how does, I'm curious how someone like yourself handles that because, you know, playing in those games does come with a lot of, I don't want to say like unwanted pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think something that was really beneficial to me, um, my junior year, we got a goalie coach at Clarkson, um, Andrew Mercer out of Ottawa. He would come down a couple times a week to work with the men and women's team, um, and that was huge for us, um, Jake as well. And so something that we kind of worked on, especially in the third period is like kind of breaking the period down into five minutes, five minute segments, when you're, when you're five minutes and just kind of make sure you win your five and then you move on to the next five minutes. So that was something, especially in like stressful games and stuff I thought was something that I would implement a lot. Um, I'd also... I wouldn't stay super locked in. I found if I was someone that if I tried to tunnel vision everything, uh, I played way worse. Like I couldn't stop the puck. So I had to play very loose and in between periods, like joking around my goalie partners, like having completely off topic conversations, like barely even game related. Some people, if they were like listening to us would be like, what are you doing? Um, But it was just what I had to do in order to kind of stay loose and not think too much about it and then like during the game and stuff I would talk to myself I would 
compliment the girls on like great plays they'd make. They'd have no idea, but I was just like running commentary to kind of stay in it so that I wasn't losing focus, but I wasn't staying like super like dialed in all the time. That's interesting to hear that because, you know, a lot of people, you know, they would say like, yeah, focus, 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 focus. And, but it's, it's, you're right though. It's good to kind of, you know, when you're off the ice, at least like between intermissions, like it's good to just kind of relax, like give your, give your brain a kind of rejuvenation too, or or your focus, I would say. Yeah. And I've tried, I've tried to do like the really focused, like serious. And it just, you have to find what works for you. Like it might work for you. It might not. Um, it just definitely did not work for me. That's fair. Everybody's different. Um, and as you mentioned, a perfect way to kind of, kind of end your career, you know, winning, you know, back-to-back national championships, but especially that senior year. Um, also what happened that year, you brought it up before, um, I, I'm going to butcher the name, but the, the Patty Kaismeyer award, you were a finalist for that. So you mentioned before playing, I believe it was your junior year, you ended up playing against a goalie. Um, who had won it, um, and you beat her in the finals, which obviously, I think at the end of the day, you would take that over the over the trophy. But how did it feel, you know, being nominated for that and being end up being a finalist for it? Yeah, I mean, it was really cool. Um, I think I made it like to the top ten or whatever. Um, and it's just a huge honor just to be acknowledged and stuff. I knew I had no shot of winning that year because um, my teammate Gable Jaguer savannah Harmon, and then i think it went to i think it went to a freshman that year actually i think it might have went to daryl watts that year um so i i knew i had no shot but just to be acknowledged and stuff as especially as a goalie um was a huge honor and really um appreciated and stuff it's always it's always like cool to hear people talk about that because a lot of them it's you know even if they don't win you would think they win just for how they describe being like kind of what we talked about before U 18s, like your name being in, in that, in the hat of, you know, the, the goalies that were there, whatever you want to say, like, you're just so humble to have been recognized by the same time you're first to point out, well, I knew I wasn't winning because at least two girls on my team were just as good, if not better and deserved it more than me. Like that just kind of shows like me, like you're very team first person. Like you don't really, you know, Yes, I'm. I was a very good college goalie, but I'm like so far in this interview, I have to pry everything out of you. Like you know, some people would be like, "Yeah, you know, like I won two natties, not a big deal," and like whatever. But you're very humble, so that's cool to cool to hear. Um, I'm curious. So when you when you finish college, there you end up graduating. Um, first, first, what'd you graduate with? We'll we'll just get that quick. Uh, biology, a bachelor okay. in science. Something I know nothing about. Okay, we'll move on. Um, did you always have the plan to go play pro after? Yeah, I, I wanted to, um, my goal was always the Olympics. That was kind of, you know, the scholarship was step one. And then to represent Canada at the Olympics, um, was always step number two. Um, so the, I had kind of two options to play in the, it was the CWHL, the Canadian women's hockey league, um, or the NWHL, the national women's hockey league, which got switched a year or two ago to the PHF. They're the same thing, but they just changed their name. Um, so I chose the CWHL and that's where I got drafted to in Toronto. And I'm curious too, like, so when you're when you're playing in that in that league, 
are are most women in that league like do they work work as well like at this point at least were they were they having a normal job and then you know i i don't like i would compare it to something more like over over here where you know a lot of guys in the third league like they practice at night because they have jobs during the day and then you know they would play at night and then play games on the weekend like was it similar to kind of that schedule yeah absolutely um i would say almost every single person on the team had a job unless they were um on the national team just because on the national team you were getting paid um so like my first year out of college i i was just work i was working like at an office job like 3 days a week that um my uncle was able to set me up with and then once I um, was with the national team and was getting paid by them a little bit, then I was able to kind of leave that. But yeah, we had doc or not doctors. Um, we had some accountants. We had teachers. We had what else were some of the girls doing? We had a very wide range of jobs. But yeah, unless you were on the national team, I would say ninety nine percent of people were working. I didn't I didn't know that. So the na- the national team, like if you're a national team player, they're paying you whatever it is a month and it's basically so like you don't you don't have to like have a, a job. So you basically be playing in the pro the pro women's league there. There was two at the time, as you mentioned, and then having the the income, I guess, from the national team. Like is that like can you like talk a little more about that? Yeah. So with with the national team, um, if you were kind of getting like paid by them you also were having additional skates. So like I wasn't just practicing with um, my professional team. I was also practicing like with any of the Hockey Canada girls that were based in Toronto. So like um, Jamie Lee Rattray, Natalie Spooner, Sarah Nurse, Renata Fast, Jocelyn LaRock, like any of those names that are like based in Toronto. Um, we were doing like Hockey Canada skill skates uh, kind of probably two two times a week. And like on top of all of our um, skates with our professional team, um, and then for like like the the money and stuff, it was like I was always like very low on the totem pole with that because I didn't have as much like experience and stuff in like tenure. But you get a portion of it through Sport Canada. They like Sport Canada um, fund some of it, and then. My first year out of college, right after I graduated, uh, they had just started ne- negotiating a contract, like a for Nash Hockey Canada was negotiating a contract, like with the players. So that came into effect. So like we were having like two different, um, kind of money streams at the time, which was nice. Can't com- can't complain. Yeah, um... but not. I was lucky my first year I was getting paid probably way more than I should have been getting paid because uh, some of the goalies were not in the program that year. Um, but then after that, I got I got demoted pretty good. <laughs> but I can't complain with with everything that that went down. It's just like cool to, to hear that. Like I, I always wondered, you know, as I said, not not so much from your background with Hockey Canada on either side, but I always wondered like, you know that should be something that they implement at some point because these are you know protect your kind of your national athletes whether they're on the women's side or men's side and um it's cool to hear that they did that um your first year pro there you end up playing uh for the Toronto Furies and you know I talked to Jake about this too and he said this um you know unfortunately after that first year I believe that league folded yeah and you know what w- w- was that just kind of like I feel like there's been a 
a long time ongoing battle and, and you'll be able to comment on this more like you know with whether it's funding or you know su- support from whether it's local cities or whatever to keep these leagues going um you know what was the, at this point what was the reasoning for that one and you know ev- evidently i think it might have led into your decision to go over to sweden for a year yeah um when that league folded it was honestly it was a really big surprise uh we were all like got on a phone call and the new like they told us and then the news broke on like twitter like 20 minutes later so we were like very shocked by everything because like we didn't see it coming um and at that time we the nwhl the other league um they're like i wouldn't say there was bad blood but like we weren't for whatever reason like weren't super big fans of of it and it's all water under the bridge now it doesn't matter like we got one league now so it's awesome um but at the time like we didn't really love what they were doing so that's when we decided to form uh what was called the pwhpa the professional women's hockey players association um and that's what we played in for the past four years and that is what has now formed along with the phf um has formed the pwhl this year but it was definitely a long road coming and it was just tough because at times, especially with, you know, when there's just not enough games and there's too many really good goalies. So that was kind of a big factor in going to Sweden. Um, I went over to Sweden for about half the, half of that season, the 2019, 2020 uh, season, um, I was there for about three months, and then COVID happened. So a couple couple tough breaks, but I mean that was a it was a really cool experience in Sweden. Wouldn't trade that. Yeah, I, we you just mentioned the COVID there. Like it was that was the beginning of that uh, next kind of crazy two and a half years or whatever it was with leagues, you know, whether shutting down, playing it without fans, but Sweden is very known for its hockey, whether it's on the men's or women's side. So I'm sure that was a tremendous experience for you, you know, being able to go there for a couple of months. And Jake was telling me that, you know, if the league hadn't shut down, you guys, your team, sorry, probably would have won the championship. Like you had a really good, really good team. And it looked like just by looking at your roster, like a mix of, you know, Swedes, Canadians, Americans, um, some other nationalities there too. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. We had a really good team, really good group of girls. Um, lots of great Swedish players, some North American girls, Finnish girls, um, that I'm still, still friends with to this day. It's was really, we were, we'd just played, uh, the very first game of the finals and we had flown up to Luleå, like way Northern Sweden, um, to play game two. And that's kind of when everything started to happen with like COVID and well, COVID had already been happening, but that's when like the leaders of the U S and Canada started putting out statements about travel. And so that kind of started putting people in a bit of a panic. So they ended up shutting down the league, but it took them, it kind of took them a while to decide to shut it down. But in Sweden, they didn't really care about COVID. We were still, I was still like living in a bubble. Didn't really think it was that big of a deal at the time from because where I was living and then got home and I was like, Oh, wow, this is actually a, a pretty big deal. I would say Sweden and the States were probably the two last countries to really like 
okay, we need to do something. And even Sweden itself, like they were like, okay, we're going to do this, but we're still going to live free. And then, um, yeah, I mean, every country handled it differently, but it was definitely a, a very unknown time, um, for, you know, everybody. Um, and then after that, you end up coming back to, to North America there in the PWHPA, um, that league that you said that was kind of going on for the past four years now, and now it's kind of merged into the, the new one there. But I wanted to ask you, like, I kind of brought it up before, um, with, you know, working and everything, but like, how was it juggling, especially when you were doing the team Canada skates as well? Like, how was it juggling, you know, so you're, you working, then you also have your, your league practices schedule, whatever. And then you're also having to juggle in, you know, these skates for, for Canada. Like it doesn't really leave a, a lot of time, you know, for whether it's for yourself or, you know, going out to dinner with friends or even, you know, like we'll just say partying, for example, because obviously you were still young at this time, like fresh out of college and you're, you still want to do things like that. Yeah, I, I was fortunate. So after my first year out of college, I, I only had worked for a couple months. I kind of worked up to the new year and then I was able to quit that job because I was, I was making enough to like pay rent basically. Um, so I was lucky enough to, to stop working after that point, um, and just really focus on hockey for a couple of years there. Um, and then last year, um, was my first year I, I took a teaching job. So I was teaching, um, and I was still playing. Playing was a little bit quotation marks last year. I played a couple games, but, um, not didn't play as many games or I didn't get to practice as much as I like. So I didn't really get to deserve, I didn't deserve to play more games just because I wasn't able to practice with the team, um, very often just because of my job. But, um, yeah, I was, I was fortunate enough though for a couple of years to not have to work so that I could really focus on like my training the on ice part and everything like that. So, um, it didn't leave a lot of room for anything else though, especially because then you mix in COVID and, uh, hockey Canada was really, really, as well as our league was really strict with, um, testing and everything. So it wasn't worth, it wasn't worth, um, going out and doing something and risking testing positive and then having to miss a camp. Cause especially as someone that was in my position, that was always kind of right on the bubble. Um, I needed every camp I could get. No, that's very true. Um, nothing I want to ask you about is, you know, while this is going on, you know, at first Jake was still still um, at Clarkson there, and then, you know, as soon as he was done, you know, he's playing his he's starting his pro adventure, whether it was North America, Europe. I know you're with him now, but how was it for you, like juggling the distance for for those years? Because as you said, you were busy yourself with many many different things, and he was obviously busy, kind of on on his journey as well. Yeah, it was definitely tough at times. Um, it was his first year pro. Um, I was able to get down a little bit more just because if we did have a weekend off, it was a drivable. I didn't have to fly. It was drivable. Um, but then the year after that COVID hit and when I went back to Canada and he stayed in the States, he crossed the border. Um, you automatic two weeks of quarantine and in Canada, they would actually come check. They would come knock on the doors and stuff. And with hockey Canada and everything, like I couldn't, I couldn't just take two weeks off and not practice and not work out and not do anything. Uh, so what, like that was never an option. And then he obviously couldn't do it either because of his playing. So it was like probably nine months that like, we didn't see each other just because you couldn't, couldn't cross the border. And then 
Um, I had a camp in May out in uh, Halifax with the national team. And we were out there and it was to for like world championship uh, tryouts. And we just finished up camp and world championships were supposed to be out there. Must have been 2021. And uh, the whoever's in charge of the government out in Halifax and Nova Scotia just decided at the very last minute to cancel everything and just say, no, it's not happening. So we uh, never found out. I, well, I didn't, I don't think I made the team anyways, but um, so everything just got shut down and that's, that was the first chance I had to go down and, and see him because there was no chance of worlds or anything happening after that. So it's uh, it was definitely difficult to juggle, but at the same time, it, it's kind of what we chose to do and it's not like it lasts forever either. So you kind of have to make the most of what you have going on at the time. Crazy. Uh, just make like, you know, in normal, you know, juggling distance sucks. And then if you're out in COVID, it just, you know, was something like, we're going to look back on that in like 20 years and, you know, it's almost like living through something like apocalypse or something. But, uh, I also want to talk to you a bit about, you know, back to kind of you and the women's players association, like Jake, Jake talked about it a bit, like you're, I believe involved in it. And, um, just your experience, like over the past couple of years, like, do you, did you see the game growing like it has recently? I feel like it's really, you know, I'm, I'm watching from afar. Granted, I live in Europe. So like, it's, I don't get the coverage of TSN every day on my, on my TV channel, but I feel like the women's game has come so far, whether it's in the last 10 years, 15 years, whatever you want to say. But now with that pro league starting up, you know, I know there was a huge deal about the Jersey unveilings. Like, is it almost gratifying, you know, for yourself and maybe the other, uh, women on the players association that you know okay we're 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 going in the right direction like we're making massive steps yeah absolutely um you know selfishly i wish it would could have happened like two years earlier uh because that would really extra benefited me but i'm just really really happy that it's happening now and so many girls are getting the benefit of it currently and then just thinking about what it's going to be like in two years five years, 10 years, it's just going to, we're just going to see such a rise because um, more and more girls are playing hockey. The quality of hockey is incredible. The girls coming out of college, now they have like a very concrete place to play, whether it was the CWHL, the NWHL, the PWHPA, there was always question marks, but now it's a real, like it's an official, official league backed by tons of sponsors um, really good cash flow. Like we don't have to worry about that. It's licensed properly. Like they, it was frustrating at times how long it took, but in hindsight, all the steps that they took were necessary so that they're building like a proper league. We have a CBA that's never been done before in the first league or first time, like first year that a league is operating. Like there's never been a CBA, but we really pushed for that. Um, and just like a lot of like really little details that a lot of people don't really think about or realize were thought out and like where to have the teams and the locations and the rinks and really making sure that everyone um, was going to be taken care of and like paid. And it's the first year of the league. So yeah, like I know 
sometimes people talk about like the minimum salary and stuff, but you have to start somewhere. And I think this is a really good starting point. And if you look at other professional leagues, like, you know, I watched Jake play in the coast and I know some guys in the coast aren't making $35,000, right? Like, and if we have housing stipend and stuff. So like, I think for where we're starting, you see the number and you're kind of like, oh, it's, but that's also the low end of it. Some girls are making way more than that. So I think it's a really good step in the right direction. I think this league is just going to grow and it's going to take off. And so many girls are such big faces now of like Bauer and CCM, and they're doing a really good job of marketing that and kind of, I wouldn't call them like influencers or anything like that, but they're doing a really good job. Like I think of Natalie Spooner and Sarah Nurse. They really put themselves out there on social media and they really bring in a big audience for women's hockey. Um, and I think the more and more girls are able to do that and get their name, get the name in the league and their name out there, it's just going to take off. But it's really exciting. It's really exciting. No, it's it's tremendous to hear that. And just kind of your comment of, you know, where people are, they still compare it to the men's, like in terms of, you know, whether it's different pay scales and stuff, but let's not forget, you know, whether it was 30 years ago or whatever, the men's pay was way lower too. Like they've built that over time is what I mean. And I think the women's, you know, that should be their thought process on the women's side is, you know what, like it's the, the cliche saying Rome wasn't built in the day. So let's, let's continue to grow this. And I'm curious, you know, you've probably been a part of these meetings or, or talked to people who've been in these meetings. Like what is the you know, whether it's a five-year plan, 10-year plan, like what is, you know, the the league or the association kind of talking about how they want to continue to grow both the women's game, but also the brand, you know, as well? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's just kind of continuing what they're doing now and getting the support of the players and making sure that the players are pushing it too. Um, and then it's just, like you said, it, it's not going to, be like a really quick process. We're going to see, we're going to see it take off. There might be a little bit of a plateau, um, in viewers or whatever the case may be, but it's just going to take some time. And, um, just, I think they just need to keep personally, I think they need to keep doing what they're doing and keep just making people more and more visible. I think the social media, um, has been really good. I think people like to nitpick sometimes of like what they're doing, what they're not doing, but you have to remember it's a brand new league. There's brand new people in charge of everything. Everyone's got a new job. Like it's, it's going to take a second to like be a finely oiled machine, but I think they're getting there and I'm really excited to see the product. I know they've been in Utica um, this past week, uh, just kind of doing scrimmages and stuff. Cause they, they had training camp last week and then this week they were in Utica with a trimmed down roster. And I think there's more roster cuts and stuff to be, to be had, but um, it's just pretty exciting seeing what my, what my friends and stuff are doing. Um, so and like, you know, former teammates and everything. So it's, it's pretty cool to follow along and kind of hear what's, what's going on and I'm still in the loop. So it's nice to, nice to still, still be in it a little bit. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And just from someone that I know or like knew because he was with the Leafs, you know, Brian Burke has been a very big supporter of of women's hockey in general and especially with this new league starting up. And I, I love when he talks about the league because he 
he says the truth. Like a lot of people go, oh yeah, like I'm a fan of women's hockey. And he goes, oh yeah, who's your favorite player? What's your favorite team? And like, they if they can't name it within five seconds, like he just goes, yeah, see, like there's a difference between saying you're a fan and actually being one, like go to the games, like here's, here's the schedule or they're easily accessible. So um, I'm curious for yourself, because obviously now you're living, uh, you know, over in, in Glasgow now with, uh, with Jake. Um, are you going to be able to watch the games like online? Or are they also like, has there been like kind of a TV thing or a stream service set up or is that future, future um, to come? I honestly haven't heard. I'm, I know they want to get games televised and stuff and they should be, there definitely will be a stream. I just don't, I just haven't heard exactly when. So I'm definitely going to be tuning in. And then when we get back to Minnesota in April, um, the league will still be going. So it'll be nice to go catch a couple games, hopefully, um when we get back especially if if some of my teammates are playing in town that is something i would love to see i mean i don't i'll probably be back in may i don't know if it'll still be still be buzzing but uh definitely have to i hope as i said i hope they can like they start like a streaming like i'm sure that's in the works like it's as you said it's the next we're taking steps forward but it's the next one kind of thing you gotta get going but um You've been very gracious with your time. So I have a couple more questions for you and then I'll let you go. One thing I wanted to ask you about, and I, th- I think it was from Jake, so I can't really give a good question about it, but he said something about a, like a, a statue or mask museum in Owen Sound. There was something, do you know, do you remember what he's talking about? He said there was something. Yeah, there's a, a, like a big goalie mask, basically. Um, I think it's, I think it's outside of the rink in Owen Sound where the attack play, uh, and there's just like painted on it or just like painted pucks all over it with like people's names that have been influential in hockey around Owen Sound basically. So, um, my name is on that front and center or what? No, no, God, no, definitely not front and center. (laughs) That was not like, honestly, just thinking about it, we've been talking about it, like you had such a tremendous career in college um, and now you've been so, a very influential person, both playing and now on the association side for the women's game. Like, could we see your Jersey, maybe uh, get into the rafters and Clark's in there. That's just my, my opinion. I mean, two natties, you know, I don't, I don't think they, they only raise, I know like they've raised a couple, not so much jerseys, but they've raised some like uh, banners for girls that have gone to the Olympics. So, uh, there was just a ceremony for like five of them just in like October, um, that all were at the, at 2022, um, Olympics, but no, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe, but I don't know. They don't really, they don't really raise jerseys just for, uh, a good, a good career. But I think if, if they were, I would have a pretty good chance. You're right. They don't raise for a good career, but they raise for a great career. And if you look at your statistics, I mean, you would fall like you can be humble as much as you want about this. But, you know, we had a good team, great bunch of teammates, whatever, great coaches. Uh, But at the same time, like you tremendous numbers for four years. So that just kind of is a testament to you. So, um, you know, I hope you take pride in that because it's obviously tremendous and that's forever going to be there right like those numbers are set in stone so yeah no no i definitely do i definitely do good to hear um last one for you so i like to end on this i always ask 
uh, my guests this. I think it's cool to hear their opinions, but what is one piece of advice, or if you have multiple, you can say multiple as well, that you would give your younger self or maybe the younger generation? So if you were speaking to a young Shay at 15, 16 years old, or as we talked about before with the kind of emailing, like the younger generation, you know, some maybe some young girls who want to aspire to have kind of the career you did both in college and in the women's game, like what, what are some things you might uh, recommend to them? Tips, I would say. Um, I definitely kind of back to the scholarship one. If you're, if you're serious about it, email schools, don't just wait for them to come to you. Um, and then one that's like super cliche, but something that I think I needed to hear at times, especially like after college is make sure you don't like lose the fun of the game, right? Sometimes the game gets really serious and you have a lot on the line and it becomes a job and not just a game you're playing. Um, but make sure you don't lose the fun part of it. Always try and find find that and make sure you don't lose it because that's that's when you're playing your best is when you're having fun. No matter like even if you do have pressure on you, as long as you're having fun, um, you're gonna be able to perform and be a little bit loose. But as soon as you kind of lose that, um it kind of just goes goes down the drain. So no matter what, trying to find like the little things, whether it's your teammates whether it's just something, especially if you're just kind of in one of those ruts, make sure you're always having fun and working hard. Cause at the end of the day, what's the point if you're not doing those things, you're just kind of going through the motions and it's a lot of time and effort and commitment. If you're not having fun and putting in a little bit of hard work. So I say, those are my two, two pieces of advice. It's very true. Uh, um, you know, just to kind of reiterate what you said, the minute, it feels like a job or you don't have fun playing anymore Then I, I would say do something else. Um, you know, everyone has their ups and downs, but if it gets to a point where it's being, as you mentioned, difficult to kind of give your best day in and day out, then, you know, maybe it's time to, to switch to something else because, you know, that's why we started this game. If I'm sure it was the same for you, you started hockey because it was fun. Not, not because you thought, yeah, I'm going to play on the national team in 10 years. That's my goal. Like when you were a young kid, you're playing because you're having fun and, and laughing and playing with boys, girls, whatever. Like it was literally just entertainment, something that made you happy. Yeah, exactly. But on that note, I see you looking around too. Maybe you got to go. So it's all. No, no. My dogs are thinking about barking at something out the window. Oh, my, so. my, my dog's are ready to go on a walk too. So this is actually perfect, but, um, I appreciate you taking the time. It was honestly, uh, really good to talk to, to you as someone from the women's side, as I said, you're my first guest from, from women's hockey. And it was cool to hear, you know, kind of the things that were similar, but also some that were different and, and too, just about the women's game, how much it's grown, especially on the professional level now. Like it's, it's really tremendous to see. I am a big supporter of, I hope, you know, one day that they, get to the same level in terms of pay because it, you know for me it's they're putting in the same amount of effort in terms of training in terms of practicing you know doing every little thing to make themselves better and you know at the end of the day that's going to increase the quality of the of the game itself and like we talked about the nhl started you know many years ago at a different point so i think it's well on its way and i'm for sure going to go see a game when i get back i know there's a toronto team so that's going to be good for me to go see maybe maybe it'll be against the minnesota team but yeah uh, they just uh toronto actually just sold out all their season tickets in like two days 
So where are they playing? Like what rank? Um, I think they're playing. I think I think they're practicing out of Master uh, Ford Center now, where the Leafs are. Yeah. Um, I want to say they're playing out of Coca Cola or Rico. Whatever. It's, yeah, Coca Cola. Yeah, so yeah. the Marlies. I I think that's where they're playing out of. That's crazy because, like, if you just think about it on that, like that level, they've sold out all their games, and I guarantee you, the, the Marlies this year will have. Other than if it's a kids' day, they will not have sold their games. So that's already like a po- very positive step. Yeah, yeah, just like selling out all the season tickets for for the year in in Toronto is a uh, just shows that people want to watch. So yeah, make sure everyone goes and checks out the PWHL. It's gonna be, it's gonna be good. Um. I'm, I don't know who I'm going to cheer for this year, though. I got a lot of friends on a lot of different teams, so might have to be a case-by-case basis. You're going to have to get, like, a half jersey of, like, every team and, like, all the, <laughs> just put them all together so every time when you're playing, someone's playing, you'll have both jerseys on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, because I think I got some of my best friends on literally four out of the six teams, so... Maybe even more, honestly. So we'll have to we'll have to see. But no, I'm excited. It's going to be really exciting for the girls. That's awesome to hear. And for those listening, you heard it here first. Get out, go support these games. You know they're going to be great atmospheres. It sounds like it sounds like in Toronto, you might have to be freaking uh, on the streets there uh, from the what are they called? The vendors getting the getting the tickets because they're already sold out, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, Shay, thanks again for doing this. I really appreciate it. And We'll obviously stay in touch. I mean, I've been following your your fiance now. Uh, he's playing with one of my good buddies, and uh, yeah, we maybe we can do this again sometime. I'm sure there, like, to be honest, there was so much more we could have went into, but this episode is probably already an hour and a half, so we gotta we gotta cut it. So there might be a part two. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And for those listening, until next week, cheers and ciao.